Hello and welcome back to the Habs Puck Drop Podcast. As you may have noticed, uh, we've been MIA for a little bit. Um, This was due to a mix of a few things. The main one being we had a little bit of a COVID-19 scare and being in a studio in close proximity probably wasn't the best call. Yeah, it was a scare. Yeah, happy to report. No issues. Yeah, no issues. No one's one's under the weather. No one's sick. We came into close proximity with the Kung Flu. (laughs) Uh, But yeah. Don't dox me. Yeah. (laughs) But... um, yeah, we basically have a nice big podcast. This is going to be technically, I believe, weeks 12 and 13, long format, put into one. We're going to kind of do a mini version of Between the Whistles for the games we missed as well. Um, we've got, you know, today being the trade deadline, we're going to have a few things to mention there. And, you know, as normal, we'll stick to our uh, standard, I guess, segments. Yeah, um, for sure. We'll jump right into it because this one... We're going to be here a little while, I think. So you want to just go through the games overall that uh, we were going to review for the last two, just very briefly. Maybe yeah. we'll just give the scores and the stats. So we missed March 30th, yeah. right? Well, like these are all games we like did between the whistles, but yeah. we just never we didn't got review. to review. Yeah. yeah, so March 30th, yeah. So we, we did the between the whistles for this game, but we didn't actually review it on, in weekend, uh, week's end. So March 30th, uh, we won 4 nothing against Edmonton. That was the um, first game back from the Habs. Yeah, uh, first game from our like uh, unplanned hiatus. Yeah. yeah, so that we were, there we had a goal from um, Kotkaniemi. I'm not going to go into the assists here. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'll just say the yeah. Byron and Lekkinen no, got the assist. It's not a laziness thing. I'll show no, no, I know. I'm <laughs> saying Kotkaniemi. Like, so we got Byron and Lekkinen. Then we got Lekkinen from Edmondson and Byron. Um, and then we got Gallagher from Deno and Weber. Then we got Tatar from Gallagher and Deno. That was just one of those games where they were just going off. Yeah, that line. And uh, Price uh, got his uh, shutout. This is his first one of the year, right? Eh? First one of his year. Okay, first cool. one of the year, yeah. Looks like it'll be the only one. Yeah. Um, then we have April 1st was another win, 4-1 against Ottawa. We had Deno scoring from Gallagher and Tatar. Then we had Byron scoring shorthanded from Lekkinen and Evans. Uh, we had Corey Perry scoring, or Scory Perrys. They're starting to call him <laughs> in the media uh, from Evans and Mete. And then Gallagher scoring from Tatar and Deno. So Jake Allen was a 9.57 that game. And, you know, the first two games there, that was it was just, for some reason, the first and fourth lines were just firing on all cylinders. I mean, yeah. Tatar, Deno, Gallagher, from what I remember, that was just great to see them reconnect and, you know, foreshadowing it'd be horrible if one of them were to get injured <laughs> but um yeah it was also nice to see you know Lekkinen back in the lineup putting up three points in two games it was just good to see you know a little bit of confidence from him yeah. especially going into what was today's trade uh uh trade deadline and you know there were some questions around him and uh you know we're not gonna say if he got traded or not just yet yeah we'll leave that for later all right jumping into april 3rd um we took a 6-3 loss versus Ottawa, so back to reality. Yeah. Uh, we got a goal from Toffoli, from Weber, and Suzuki on the power play. We got a goal from um, Anderson, from Mete, and Kotkiniemi. Then we got another goal from Anderson, from Suzuki, and Weber. And Price uh, was an 8-3-9, yeah. balancing him back out to around his 900. Yeah, and that that I remember that game just not, you know... That was really, like, you, you got to just not let in six goals is what yeah, we said. Yeah, but again, like, it was one of those ones, like, we're going to come to it recently with Allen, mm-hmm. where, like, these aren't totally, like, these are goals that, like, the Habs are letting in. Yes, like, no, these, absolutely. Like, I'm, I'm not going to go into it now, but, like, just going off of our most 
recent game with Weber there. Like, what yeah, the hell are you exactly. doing? Like, we had a lot of those moments, I find. A lot of mental breakdowns and a lot of kind of shooting yourself just, in yeah, the just foot. I believe that's giveaways. exactly what Dom Ducharme said, was trying not to lose. Yeah, exactly. So that's yeah. that's the mentality there. And so then April 5th, we had a 3-2 overtime win against the Oilers. Um, we had a goal from Anderson, from Suzuki and Perry. We had a goal from Tatar, from Byron. And we had Eric Stahl's first goal in his first OT. game with the yeah. Canadians, the OT winner from uh, Petrie and Defoley. Price would be a 9-13. And, you know, that was a that was a nice little positive look. And then, uh, yeah, we basically get to these three games that we didn't really get a chance to do the between the whistles. But you can yeah. take April 7th first yeah, real quick I'll, here. Uh, yeah, I'll start it off. So April 7th, we played Toronto, okay? Like, I'll say, I've said it a hundred times, I'll say it again, these are, this is a must-win game. Yeah. Must-win, okay? We're going to start making t-shirts. Yeah. It's going to be your face and just across the top says must-win yeah, games. Yeah, with me like puckering my lips. Like, <laughs> exactly. Um, Mine will say banging and crashing along the boards. Yeah, or high-octane High offense. High-octane offense yeah. is another but, good uh, one. Yeah, okay, so April 7th, <laughs> Toronto, we, we take a 3-2 loss. So we got a goal from we have two goals from Perry. So like that, you know, Perry first goal was from uh, Edmondson and, and Suzuki. Then his second one was from Anderson and Toffoli. Uh, Allen had a good night with nine oh six. This was one of those games where like, you know, we're a team that relies on depth, mm-hmm. and it was one of those it was one of those games where like we were missing three lines. Like, I don't well, know what the hell is happening. That's it. I don't know if you've noticed this is a trend with specifically the Canadians. I'm sure it's other teams too, but on nights where players get, like, depth players score multiple goals or the defensemen score multiple, that's we never win those games. When Armia has a 2-3 goal night, we never win that game. When Perry scores it, when, you know, when Petrie puts up three points, it's those are the games we lose because it means that, like, you know, we were talking about this before, scoring by committee, and we'll get into that, I'm sure. But like, you you have to score by committee if you're gonna if your plan is to score by committee. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So you I can't rely on someone new every night. Yeah. It has to be everyone every night. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's how we saw them at the beginning of the year, where it just everyone was lighting it up. Mm-hmm. And now it's really just down to like we'll score by committee, but it's like whose turn is it to score tonight? Yeah, and there's like they're all low probability scorers, like, exactly. Except like to Foley and and whatnot, but um, you know. There, when you have low probability scorers, like you don't have those Matthews, you don't have those Ovechkins, you don't exactly. have those Canes. Like what ends up happening is that you get very frequent nights where the probabilities just line up and no one can get it in the net, and yeah. like it's very frustrating. Are you saying you're foreshadowing a shutout in this preview at some point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Okay, so uh, yeah, I'll jump into April eighth now. Um, this one I think was probably the most frustrating. Like even uh, even over April tenth. So we'll just get into this now. April eighth, four two loss versus Winnipeg. Um, Dano from uh, uh, Kotkaniemi and Tatar. Um, interesting line there. Yeah, um, the right winger Kotkaniemi. Yeah, and then we got a goal from Byron from Kotkaniemi and uh, um, Perry. And then Allen was an eight eight five. Um, Let's combine this game with the April 10th. Yeah, okay, so if we're combining it, it's the worst 120 yeah. minutes of hockey I've seen from the Canadians. Yeah, so I'm April sure 10th, I've said it before. Yeah, April 10th. I'm going to recant what I said. Okay, April 10th was way worse. Okay, but April 10th was the worst game of the season by I think, far. I think April 8th, I, I was saying, was worse just because like it looked like we had it at we one had point. hope. <laughs> yeah, but okay, so April 10th, we took a 5 nothing loss to Winnipeg. Yeah. Okay, Jake Allen let in basically everything. Yeah, he's an 800. <laughs> so he's an 800, but like it was a weak 800. Yeah, it was like a it, lot of them was like, you got to stop that. Yeah, it was like an 800 and he had like like uh, 
like yeah, anyway. Just Mind you, again, I just because you, like, you mentioned it before, Shea Weber. Yeah. Well, no, pulled the most Adam B level move. He he came around the net from Jake Allen's right side to his left. That's so that's Weber's backhand and curled no, in and front you of the net. The most important part too. Okay. Oh, Allen pointed the guy out. Yeah, saying like, watch as out he's for him. In. He yeah. pointed his glove like Victor Mete style. He was yeah. like, watch him, watch him, watch him. Weber seemed to just ignore it, Skate pulled it around, right, right into, into him. him. In front Allen, of the no net. chance. Like, the, the, these are little things that, like, it bothers me because they're they're so, you know, like, in junior hockey and, like, like youth hockey, like, these are things that are instilled in kids because they know, like, it's, it's just so simple. Well, it's the you basics. don't go you up the middle the with basics. the ice. Exactly. And, like, these guys are, che- like, that shows cheating and laziness to me. Yeah. That's saying, like, I'm a pro and I feel like I can get away with breaking the rules. And it's, like... You're going to get exposed, and that's exactly what happened. So the two games in Winnipeg were, you know, they're not write-offs in terms of mentality because that's, we lost to Toronto, then we lost to Winnipeg, then we lost to Winnipeg, and guess who we're playing tonight? Toronto. It's like, yeah. you got to win these games. You just another, have another, to. And, and, you know, standings aside, the reason why we need to win these games is because we're playing one of these teams in the, in the playoffs. Like, we make the playoffs. Exactly. Like, we're going to be fourth or third, Okay. We're playing Toronto or Winnipeg. Yeah. Right? So like we get, you know we got to beat one of these teams eventually. That's exactly. And, like, it. and they keep crushing us. That's the problem. And another issue, and I'm getting worried with Toronto is apparently they have a Vesna goalie in net. Yeah. Okay, this guy well, Jack Campbell's on cloud nine right now. If he wins tonight, that's gonna be twelve wins in a row. He yeah. already broke Carey Price's record. Yeah, which okay? was hard to watch because he... Jack Campbell's breaking Carey Price's record at the age of twenty eight. He was never given a good chance, and I believe he was drafted by L.A. I don't remember if it was maybe Dallas as well. I could be confusing him with another Dallas. goalie. Yeah, it was Dallas. There's two goalies. I think it's Cal Peterson. I always confuse yeah. the two. They both played in L.A. but Dallas just didn't give him a shot. Yeah, and then yeah. he went to L.A., and then he went to Toronto. I think that's it. Yeah. But either way, just like... <laughs> Like he's, you know what? The saving grace of this, yeah, and and the saving grace of this is that, you know, when you're playing this well, eventually you're gonna have like the law of large numbers dictates you're gonna even out. So he might go on a historically bad run at some point. However, it doesn't look like that. Okay, so he's a he's a nine thirty four right now with a one eight GAA. And how many games played? Eleven. Eleven. Right. Yeah. There you go. So, so that's, that's not scary. insignificant, yeah, you know. It's yeah. he's playing very well, yeah. and he's playing against the same teams over and over. So that like they, as much as he's got their their number, excuse me, their number dialed in, they should also have his number. Yeah. You should be able to beat this goalie. This is a guy who is peaking at twenty eight. Yeah, and he, you know, he's also he he is twenty eight, right? Yeah, he's twenty nine. Yeah. Okay. But uh, another thing too is like I I mean clearly they well clearly I don't know if it's clear but hopefully they're watching tape. You know, this guy isn't a big goalie. Like, he, no, he's, he's pretty not. small. He's like 190 or something yeah. like that. So, like, you know, there's ways to score on this guy. It's not like a Jacob Markstrom situation where it's like the fat fuck takes up the whole net. Well, yeah, there like, you go. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, those were the frustrating games with Calgary. I know. Like, I, can't so see, I can't see a centimeter of net behind no, him. I know. But, it's just like, what um, are you going to do? Like, that's what I mean. You need to just change it up. And, I mean, I, I actually I sent you this earlier today when uh, – I was in the other room, but basically, um, John Liu was saying that the Canadians are running four new lines tonight and three new D pairs. Okay. So at the um, very okay. least, they're switching up I'm from last game. I'm off here though, okay? Because I wholeheartedly believe that the strange, bizarre line combinations we saw with Claude Julien was actually Ducharme whispering in his I ear. I agree. Because we've seen the same, like almost psychotic 
repeats of lines yeah. over and over and over again. Our overtime line, line one, is is still Byron Dan. I know. Like, we haven't changed it. No, I know. That's what I'm... I want to be on the lookout tonight. That's, that's why I'm mentioning it. The lines I sent you, I'm going to pull it up here because, you know... It was just, it was so nice to hear John Lou say it because, you know, but we like, had traits The lines going. you sent me, was that the one they're talking about? Those are the lines that they were. They look slightly different. They look slightly but apparently. It's like Toffoli instead of Cockney Yemi, basically. That's, I think so, yeah. Looking at it here, we have the first line of Tatar, Dano, Toffoli. So that right away, I know we haven't seen yet properly yeah. because we had Tatar, Gallagher, Toffoli. Uh, Dano, Gallagher, Toffoli. Yeah. So basically, yeah, they're replacing Gallagher with Toffoli. They're going back to Anderson, Suzuki, Druin. So I assume what John Liu meant by that is under the um, Dominic Ducharme reign. We haven't seen that line yet. Because okay. I think that's what that was it. Um, Perry Stahl caught Kaniemi. I'm okay with that on the third yeah, line. Okay. That was one we actually talked yeah. about. And then the fourth line of Byron Evans, Lekkonen. And then Armia is a 13th if he's not ready to go. Um, defensively, they have Edmondson, Weber, Kulak, and Petrie, Romanov, and Mete. Obviously, we'll get to that in a minute, why I think that's uh, incorrect. But, you know, all in all, like, it's just he's kind of going to what we've always been asking for, the, like, yeah, we'll what just logic say, like, dictates. Mete, Mete was claimed off waivers that you're not, like, listening to an old podcast mm-hmm. or something like that. We're yeah, I just meant, like, I, I like yeah. it's we have it here on the board. So, yeah. like, Mete, you know, a couple hours ago was informed that Ottawa picked him up off waivers. Yeah. So... Um, obviously, that lineup projection isn't entirely accurate. However, those were the lines that were at practice that this morning. Yeah. So the idea that um, you know they're going finally with something that makes like ignoring chemistry and ignoring um, you know what he's seen in practice, just going with you know you're playing on paper, you're playing a video game. Like this is what the lines would yeah. probably look like. I think he's well, giving that yeah, a go he, because it's like the I most logical way. I agree with them, but the only difference is that I, I, I don't know why they haven't tried to tar Dano Anderson. Like, that just seems know. like insanity. I know. Anderson's play style, I mean, Gallagher's a very unique player, so yeah. is Anderson, but if there's someone who's even Close remotely enough, analogous yeah. enough, it's Anderson and Gallagher, and like... I just see that as a natural pairing, especially the Anderson speed on that line. I I think what comes down, what it comes down to is the trickle down effect. They were basically saying, yeah, we'd have a cleaner first line, but I think then putting Toffoli back with Druin and Suzuki didn't really work. And then if if it wasn't Toffoli and pulling someone else up, then the other line, which you know, yeah, if Perry's yeah. going up, which like I I understand your point. I do agree. Anderson should be on the first line with Tatar and Dano. But I find Anderson's speed isn't used with Suzuki and Drew. I know they're way too slow. They keep the play behind him. He goes. If you watch him play with Suzuki and, and Druin, the guy's offside every every. Oh yeah, every he shift. always has to cut along the blue line, or he always receives the pass behind him. Yeah. He's just playing at a different level. But with Tatar and Dano, it'd be fine. Well, that's that's you know? it. So. You know, we, we know that the lines change throughout the game, so maybe we'll see it tonight. <laughs> That's when you know we're fucked. Yeah, we when start we start seeing, seeing like, new lines in one period. Yeah. I mean, the worst is the when one, it switches oh, in the first. No, the, the worst is when we saw Dano on the wing. Oh, yeah, that was a whole thing. I think that was a... I, I Looking back, I hope that was just a face-off thing. Like, go aggressive in the face-off, you get kicked out, Dano's there. Yeah. But, like, I have a feeling that uh, Mr. Experimental Dominic Ducharme is like, he's trying to play like 5D chess yeah. right now. Because the, the other issue You're a hockey is like, coach. You know, it, it, <laughs> yeah, the, the other thing too is that you have to, when you're trying to rally the troops a little bit, 
making line combinations that crazy actually does the opposite with your team. It, well, it signifies to them that like you really don't have faith in what, what what's out there right now. Mm-hmm. And like you know, moving a player up, moving a player down, he's having a rough night. That's one thing. But being like, okay, uh, Dano on right wing. Uh, yeah. You know what uh, haven't we tried yet? Exactly. That's like signals to the team like you guys are you know not yeah. doing it. And you know while it's an obvious fact when it's a four nothing game four well yeah game, that, so. that's it right now j- uh, there, there was one thing i wanted to mention specifically about the april 10th five nothing loss i've never seen a more defeated looking team me too that was like they didn't want to be there yeah that, they, that was the they issue they also started getting chippy at the end yeah. that was the only silver lining as you could tell they were frustrated yeah um, but you could tell they just wanted like to Perry get the got, game Perry over got a with. 10 minute yeah for I still don't fully it understand. Was, uh, it was like uh, something verbal. verbal? To the ref, yeah. Okay. Uh, Whatever. You know, old man, old man Perry. Yeah. Hellebuck called out Perry bad too. And yeah. Oh, for like running into him constantly. Yeah, like he yeah. called him. Uh, basically, he was post game. He was interviewed. Said he's one of the dirtiest players in the league. Which and, everyone knows. That's yeah. the thing. Is like he. That that's exactly his role. He's an. He's not like people have to understand like there's a very big difference between a grinder and an agitator he's also he's he's classifying him in the group of like like tom wilson is ridiculous but that's okay? exactly what i'm saying tom wilson is more of a grinder like he he goes to the dirty areas of the ice yeah but he also injures people yes like, exactly like perry, that's what i mean he overdoes but perry i find is an agitator like he's trying he perry's he's job like is Sean to get Avery. exactly and yeah. perry's job is to get the sh- the tom wilson's of the world angry enough that they see red yeah like like Perry's thrown some some hard hits too, but the thing is, is like Perry Perry will put his stick in your crease or glide through your crease. Like Tom Wilson will blindside you. Exactly. That's the thing. And it's, there's a big difference, and I don't really agree with that comment. Obviously, it's after a game, whatever. But um, you know, it, that was a rough one, and yeah. uh, you know, I could tell that was, you know, in the very least, like that was just terrible for jake allen's confidence like that's yeah, just absolutely it, terrible i i would have pulled him after three I, there i don't know if i if i'm playing allen back to back to back to back like that's not what we you gotta want play him for. primo yeah I, like just give him a game you know especially not tonight for god's but, sake but you know like looking carrie price got injured before the game in this uh before the april 7th game right yeah so their logic is those seven that- eight ten though you have that back to back Give Primo the middle one against Winnipeg. I know. Just I, I think their reasoning is that literally, like us, it's like these are must-win games. I, like, I know. I just, I don't know how, like, you can basically lean on, like, the whole theme of this year is everyone's stacking up on goalies. Colorado has, like, 11. Yeah. Because they know, like, it's, and, and this is the other thing, too, and we've talked about this a million times. The, like, percent difference between the best and worst goalie in the league is just nowhere near, let's say, the best forward and the worst yeah. forward. So it's like you can get away with playing, and you know, Caden Primo's a, a very capable goalie. Yeah, you know, he's he's like he's not again, he's not Vasilevsky, he's not prime time Carey Price, but that's not what you draft. We got a seventh round draft pick yeah. who's looking like he's going to be a very solid. Yeah, star. but I think their point is basically is like it 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 takes guys a few games to get in the groove of things, and, and like don't we have don't the have the time. I, I like, get it. I understand that, but at the same time, it's like you're we're also not going to win. games games playing this guy into the ground like well that's and that's it and that's why i'm saying the whole reason the i'm getting you i think the only time they would have done that is if it wasn't these teams like if, if we if we swap toronto with a vancouver swap winnipeg with a calgary like then i think we would have saw primo yeah. but like it's just a perfect storm we're seeing toronto winnipeg winnipeg toronto it's like we yeah. you know definitely not toronto okay no, we not primo toronto. would let in 10 goals yeah but uh you know 
At the same time, like, this is what I'm saying. You never, like, it might just be that, like, it's the complete opposite where he only, you know, if he plays against a Vancouver, it's so low, like, low energy that he plays poorly in his games if he is rusty versus, like, the games against the Toronto might just jumpstart him. You never know with the goalies. They're they're just so particular. Yeah, but that's more like a psychological thing. I just mean, like, in terms of, like, he hasn't stepped foot on an HL ice yet. Right. No, and I get that. But what I meant more is he's he's not out of the groove in terms of... Well, that's it. I, I just mean he's not out of the groove in terms of, like, he's been playing hockey this whole time. Yeah, just not against Toronto. Yeah, exactly. Like he's the Marlies. Not, he's, not, he's not getting shots from Austin Matthews no, he's and, not. And, and Mitch Marner and, and John Tavares. He, you know, it's, it's, it's very, different, very different. Of course, yeah. And, like, um, you know, I definitely, I, I, I'll definitely... Um, I just think, like, the end result is he does have to play. He does have to play, just not these games. Yeah. So, like, we're playing, who are we playing after Toronto? Calgary. So playing in, Toronto, in Calgary. Okay, well, yeah, and there you go. So actually, it's a good segue. So with the preview, we've got tonight we're playing Toronto, the 12th. Then we have the 14th against Calgary, the 16th against Calgary, and the 17th against Ottawa. Now, I, I know the initial like gut feeling is, oh, perfect, play him against Ottawa. The problem is that means Jake Allen plays six games in a row in less than 10 days no so what i would do is april 12th so tonight we play allen mm-hmm. april 14th we play primo okay april 16th we play allen and april 17th we play primo okay yeah, yeah. i like that i i agree with that and that gives him enough starts too that it'll yeah. be good um so yeah no that works for me um i actually before we just like in my opinion like like sorry to cut you off but if we lose against ottawa it will not be because of goaltending right like we need to score goals. Well, that's that's, that's it, right? It's like we can lose against Toronto because of goaltending. Yes. And like we won't lose to Ottawa because of goaltending. No, I, I agree. Um, before we jump into basically the two big chunks here, I I do want to do our our starting lineup because I think it's a little bit original today. Um, yeah. So we're using basically the seven games that we mentioned as our starting lineup. Um, I'm gonna just go ahead and say it right away. There's only three forwards, and there are no defensemen. Nobody stuck out to us whatsoever. Um, I think Petrie's been a little quiet. Um, his big thing is his offensive production Look at and his production recently. I mean, looking at looking at this, he had one point over the seven games, which is just not enough from a guy who was driving our offense. But then again, I don't want him to be the focal point of our offense. Um, and yeah, you know, coming off a five nothing loss, a four two loss, a three two loss. That's a lot of goals being let in that a lot of them seem like defensive mistakes. Weber was a neutral to bad, in my opinion. He put up a few points, but not enough to negate his poor defensive choices. Um, Edmondson being Edmondson, like I, I, he didn't like maybe he makes it on a technicality, but that's why we basically said we're not going to, you know, put defensemen this week. Yeah. Um, Romanov, Mete. Who else was cycled in? Kulak was Willett cycled in. No, Leskinen. Yeah, Leskinen. Was like there was just there was too much going on, and um, yeah, it wasn't yeah, worth so adding Petrie's them in. Petrie's last eight games, he has two assists. Well, there you go, and that's so, not enough from him. And most games, he's a minus. Uh, like for the extreme, April third. What was that? Uh, April third was a six-three okay. loss. He was a yeah. minus five. Well, there you go. Yeah. That's a rough one. Yeah, and so, um, you know, we, we like to do our starting lineup as kind of like a mix of actual stats and also just consistency and, like, who we see on the ice a lot. So um, 
I'll go I'll go first with this one. The first one for me was Paul Byron. Yeah. He had a, a sneaky high offensive two weeks. I think we counted it. He had five points in seven games. Yeah, he, he was just noticeable on the ice. And things he doesn't get that much ice time. Yeah. That's the thing people need to understand is like he's potent. Yeah. And like he does his job. He's a checking forward, but he puts the puck in the net. He gets assists. Like this guy and obviously his skating is like world class, yeah. but like he just he does his job so well. I feel like almost every shift, even though they're short, he always gets a shot off. Well, that's it. It's all he always has a chance. He's always creating something. He had a slow start to the year, but I, I also like I, I kind of think he was hurt at the beginning of the year. He didn't look like he had his jump. Um, yeah, like his top end speed was there, but he didn't look as quick. Exactly. So Byron's the first forward this, uh, I guess, week and a bit that we're covering. Uh, do you yeah. want to take the second one? Sure. Yeah. So I'm going to go with, um, this was my pick. I personally found Josh Anderson played pretty well. Uh, you know, three goals in seven games. Um, and know, a couple of assists. And I a couple of assists too. But, you know, I, the main thing with him though is that, you know, time and time again, when the team's playing poorly, and they look like they don't have emotion. Unlike the April tenth game, where like everyone was pissed off, everyone was fighting after the play. I always notice Anderson pissed, yeah. and that's the thing I appreciate. And his is because, compete level, and his compete level is always there, and he's he never has a bad game. Like I never see him have a bad game. Yeah. He has games where he doesn't score, yeah, but he is always playing hard, and that's why I disagree with him being played with Drew and Suzuki right now. Suzuki's struggling right now. Okay, even though his his points look decent, yeah. okay, and Druin is absolutely terrible. I'm I'm okay? surprised. I rip into Druin again. I rip into Druin time like, all the time. Yeah. Okay, but I think right now is like my peak rage with this guy. Like he is the streakiest piece of shit. Okay, I, like, I don't I've, think he's streaky though because he doesn't put up any points. He he's he's <laughs> matched his his uh, his he's done this thing again where remember was it last year or the year before two years ago I think it was two years ago he went. Like 23 oh, games last without 20 a point something or games, something. Yeah. And it was the last 20-something games with Domi there where we really, really, really needed to win. Okay, yeah. Much like now. Yeah. Okay? Now we're in the last 20 games, just like we were last time, and the guy's completely, like, he's on the moon. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's, this is the It issue. drives me nuts, and he keeps his top six role. This is the thing. So it clogs the top. Yeah. And it, it, it's blunting Suzuki, because Suzuki's always competing. And then you have this guy who doesn't hustle, playing with our biggest hustler on the team on the team josh anderson and it's like play this guy with someone else like, i know drop i i think and i disagree with this play mentality wholeheartedly but i think if i'm trying to understand it i think that's exactly why he's being played with josh anderson i think they're trying to basically negate that but that's exactly what they're doing is they're negating it yeah and it's like you just have to kind of own the fact that he's a lazy player play, play him play him with stall who is a bit of a slower game and playing with Perry, okay, and like yeah. just let. I think that, that line would work very well. I think actually. it'd be fine, just because like you know it's 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 too much now. Like Suzuki, he can play fast if he wants to. He's not a lazy player. No. But when you have a rate limiter like Druin on the ice, like you have to kind of play to his game because I like agree. you're you're gonna go into the offensive zone with two guys, and um, you know it, it's it's very frustrating. Like it's very frustrating just because. But it, he can do that drop pass can you, really yeah, well. He can do that drop pass. Yeah, one in ten times, and <laughs> and he'll get those second touch assists for sure. But think about Tatar and Anderson. How great that would be. Okay. I know. Oh, that Tatar gets an honorable mention on this. Yes, he does. Okay, it's because the last one's Corey Perry. Yeah, and I, it just like it was impossible not to to address Corey Perry. The fact that he's essentially been on the board for every single game. 
Yeah. Um, my, and the ones where he wasn't, Tatar filled in. I mean, yeah. I'm just, I'm counting it back now while you're talking, so I'm just yeah, going to do it. But the, the other thing that we didn't mention, okay, I said Anderson is the one that always looks like he's playing. Tatar always looks like he's playing. Tatar is always coming to the zone hot. He's always checking. He's always coming back. This guy is still underrated on our team. Yeah. Like, people understand how good this player is. And, like, to not play him with Anderson, to me, is like a travesty. Like, that that's the most obvious like so here this is actually perfect um they both put up five points this week um i i think then it was right of us to kind of defer to perry because he ended up with three goals yeah uh to tatar's two but like it's it's that close so yes i agree honorable mention to tatar i also just think Corey perry's really like taken on a certain role i would if if we didn't have uh, well, you know what? Gallagher's injured. <clears throat> I don't know why he doesn't have a temporary A. Yeah. The way he's playing, the way he's leading the team. Yeah, I know. It's I, just very weird. It's yeah. like, I mean, maybe they're just saying, like, you know what? No, Brendan Gallagher's still our assistant captain, whether he's on the ice or not. But um, Corey Perry's the kind of guy that I'd like to bring back another year if we can. Oh, yeah. Please. And I would not have a problem giving him a letter. Yeah, another thing, too, is, is like, I, I think it's not absurd for us to assume that this year isn't our year. And, like, I, you know, I, I think, like, it needs to be soon. Okay? Yeah. But, I like, mean, I, I, I think, like, we, we have a shot, okay? But it, we're not the clear favorites for the Cup, is my well, point. Well, I, I, I made this joke, but at the same time... Um, the core is rotten. <laughs> and I, I don't mean that in terms of it's bad. I you mean, know, just let me finish my point. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't want people to take me out of context. Here, yeah. okay? like, the, we, I, I personally think we're going to make the playoffs. Okay, I actually think we'll, we'll, we'll probably get through the first round. Okay, I think we have a very, very obscure view of the league right now because I don't think most people understand how weak our division is. Like We have a very, very weak division. Yeah. Okay, like We have Toronto. We have Winnipeg basically it yeah i wouldn't even okay. put winnipeg in maybe there. not even winnipeg in there okay like so we have one like a-list team okay like toronto's gonna go probably far this year um especially with the recent acquisitions and you know it's you look at other division you look at other teams like you look at like a boston right now taylor hall it's like there's no way we'd win against them no tampa bay no chance colorado no chance like you know, they're the heavy favorites for the cup. No? We're in like a very, very you know easy division here, and like we're still struggling with these teams, and, and it's very frustrating. And um, you know, I I think not taking Perry back next year, after we make some changes in the off season, which are going to be huge, yeah, um, would be you know a, a a disservice to our team just because he's been one of those constants ever since he he stepped foot on the ice like a week or two into the season. He's just been on. Yeah, and and that's that's kind of what if we I was, don't get, if we don't get rid of Drew in this year, okay? Well, like yeah. honestly, I I do hope we can maybe expose him for Vegas at this point. It's I don't think the return on the Jonathan Druin is going to be anything worthwhile. I think the best thing like we're not we're never going to be able to break even for Serge. No, there's no, we, there, there's no way. But what we can do is get that cap off of our yeah to uh, to, to get him gone five and a half and then spend that money if yeah. if need be now. What I was saying about the core being rotten, just because I, I also don't want to be taken out of context, is that I don't think the core that we've built around is a bad core. I think you look at the, you know, if, if you're really creating like an argument, it's Gallagher, Weber, and Price. Those are the three guys that we've kind of made the center, center of the team. Now, the issue I'm saying in terms of rotten is that's old. That's the big issue. And it's 
not a winning combination. It's a very old school. Gallagher is not it's a. Also, it's also a very injured. Well, the, this is the thing. They they literally when I said rotten, like they're they're broken. That's yeah. the problem. Um, I mean, I'm, no one's arguing that Carey Price is a a good goalie. I'm yeah. saying he's not the best goalie in the league. No. that's it. But he's also like he's he's a upper middle yeah. goalie, and that's fine. But we've built around him, and we spent a lot of money on him, so it's not really paying off. Weber too, he's got ability that is obviously unique to him but he's not the prototypical defenseman that you need right now and same thing for Gallagher he has a little very unique skill set like you said but he does not have that um you know game breaker ability he just doesn't have it he's not Patrick Kane exactly no he's not (laughs) (laughs) he's he's not that guy who like drives the offense yeah. you know he's a finisher yeah. but that's why he's great if you have someone if if brennan gallagher is on a line with an artemi panarin you'll see gallagher put up 50 goals a year because he'll just he'll panarin will find gallagher every time yeah that's why chris Kreider puts up so many points excuse me <laughs> excuse me um but yeah basically we're in this weird kind of in-between zone where we've begun to transition to a new kind of identity, but we still have like the old dogs kind of yeah. hanging on, which is why you know when before it happened, those old pricey dogs. <laughs> but like you know, guys like Petrie, guys like Weber, guys like Gallagher, all these guys who signed long contracts, specifically Petrie and Gallagher. You know, it it's one of those things of like, no, I don't think you just let them walk because they're still talented players. But you know, it's like when we talk about Tatar, for example. You know, not so much that I don't think he's worth the money, but is it in the game plan kind of to have, you know, re-signing another guy in his 30s? Byron, that would be Byron, Tatar. Um, if we bring back Perry, there's Perry. If we bring back Stahl, there's Stahl. I don't think we're bringing back Frolik. I don't know what that signing yeah. was, but then Gallagher. I'll just and jump then... in here quickly. I The only reason I think that, like, I know what you're saying, and that, that sounds like a, like a basically like a, a secondary rebuild, but the only reason why I think that that won't happen is because uh, Bergevin would lose his job. Because I, I, I that would, if if we did that and we let all those guys walk, we'd be looking at like a a cup run in like six seven years. Oh, I completely agree that you don't let them all walk. I just mean along the lines of you know looking at next year, for example, regardless of the outcome of this year. Um, over half the defense will be in their thirties. Yeah, both goalies are in their thirties. A lot of the forwards, all of a sudden, we we were one of the, the only one there. I'm gonna veto is Thomas Tatar, just because that guy is in better shape than most 20 year olds. Completely fine. And I'm, I'm just injured. saying for the argument's yeah. sake of let not like when the contract starts. I'm talking about when the contract ends. Yeah. Because like I I'm not worried about his health. I don't think he's gonna get injured. I'm not even worried about the production. Yeah, I just physically him, if mean we sign like, him pretty low for five years. Well, that's the thing, but like you know, it's that those are the little intricacies where like I don't know if I want 35 year olds. On my yeah. team, more than one. You know what I mean? Like yeah. at that point, we'll ha- we'll still have Weber under contract. We'll still price them. Those guys will be in their forties by five me. years. We're gonna have Weber under contract. Yeah, get out of here. I think it's five years. I'm gonna I'm gonna double check now. But get out of here. That would be absolutely terrible. That can't be. I feel like that guy on Joe Rogan with the computer. Yeah, What's Jamie. his name? Jamie. <laughs> if we have Weber in five years, what the hell? Shea Weber is including this year one, two, three, four, five, six. Six years. Yeah. I wasn't what kidding. What the hell is that? Yeah. 
so this 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 old dog's got a max two years <laughs> left in it. Yeah, so here I I don't know the full extent of it, but basically we're not gonna buy him out because if he retires, most of the burden in terms of cash goes to Nashville. Okay, that's the so th- this is back in the day, remind like mind you, where like it was like the Wild West signing contracts. So like he got an offer sheet from Philadelphia. That's why the number's so weird. For those who don't know Shea Weber's contract. It's seven million dollars, eight hundred fifty-seven thousand one hundred forty-three. So that's obviously like a you like a clear uh, yeah. offer sheet number to like go to the dollar. But they offered him fourteen years. Wow. You can sign. That's why the new CBA has you only go to eight because, you know, you can go and offer Connor McDavid. I'll give you you know like a uh, Sidney Crosby or Ovechkin fifteen-year deal. Yeah. That's why these guys don't have contracts throughout. You know, Crosby is like arguably the biggest steal of all time. Yeah. 8.7 times 15 years. Yeah. It's his whole Christ. career. Yeah. But um, yeah, anyway, my whole point with that was just like, you know, there's there's guys are getting up in age and it's more, it's less so like the production, but it's more the identity because like I said, Tatar will be 31. Yeah, okay, but my point is though, is that 34, 35 year old Thomas Tatar, we're not going to have Weber on the team. Weber's not going to be playing in, in six years. No right, chance. he'll probably retire, but I'm saying, like, including, you know, I'm, I'm just saying for argument's sake, Tatar at 31, um, Byron at 32, Stahl, I'm just assuming everyone comes back, Stahl at 37, Perry at 35, uh, 36, Weber 36, Petrie 34, Sherrod yeah, 30, Gustafson 30, oh, I, I let those two slip, Merrill 30. Uh, Price thirty four, Allen thirty one. You know, like the like it's it's a lot of thirties, and that's fine to have vets on the team. Yeah, it's just not... we were starting to turn the corner on this youth movement of Suzuki, Kotkaniemi, Caulfield, Romanov, Primo. Like these, like we were kind of developing these kids, and like you you want that good mix and everything. But the idea is like, look at all the top teams right now. You know, aside from arguably Boston, let's say with Bergeron and Marshawn, who peaked very late in their careers. You know, Colorado, McKinnon's young, Landis Cog is relatively young, Rantanen's young. Um, McCarr, you know, Gerard. Yeah, McCarr, uh, yeah, I was yeah. just going with forwards even, but yeah, McCarr, Gerard, um, the, uh, Byram, yeah, you all, know, then all, like yeah, you look at Toronto, oh, it's gosh. Matthews, Marner, Nylander, like these guys, you know, Tavares is, again, like you want one of them, but it's, yeah. it's one out of four instead of one out of two. And it's just, it, I just, I'm less concerned with them having you know, vets on the team as I am more concerned with, like, a lack of identity. Yeah. I know. There's no clear... Like, I thought there was a clear vision, and then uh, we're seeing a lot of patchwork again. Well, that's it. it. And that's where my issue lies. And I think that'll be a good uh, segue in terms of uh, us jumping into what happened today. So, three transactions happened today with uh, the trade deadline. So, the first one we mentioned, Victor Mete was claimed by the Senators. So... Goodbye, Victor Mete. Um, moment of silence. <laughs> you will not be missed. You will not, yeah. We look forward to playing Victor Mete in Ottawa. We um, couldn't We couldn't trade that guy if we stuffed his pants full of gold Well, bricks. think about it. He's got less than a million dollars in cap hit. He's a young, puck-moving defenseman, and we still had to let him get picked up on waivers. That, we, that we, says a lot. We couldn't pay people to trade him for him. It's well, just there you not go. possible. And, that 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 tells me we, like, couldn't, look, we I was, couldn't even get a seventh. Form. That's that's it. I was upset when we lost him for nothing, but it also was very telling that no one wanted him. Yeah. I'm sure Mark Bergevin called and like you know they see the waiver wire. He knew Ottawa would have first 
one of the top bids. He probably called Ottawa and says, do you want him before announcing he's going to go on waivers, you know? Yeah. Anyway, Victor Mete, hopefully your friend Jonathan joins you soon yeah. in a land far from here. Yeah. Uh, and then the Habs made two trades. Um, the first one being John Merrill. Yeah. Coming out of Detroit for Hayden Oscar Verbeek. Oscar winning actress. Meryl yeah, Streep. Um, for Verbeek and a fifth. Now, Verbeek has connections to Detroit, which is just, I'm sure, um, you know, Steve Eiserman played with his uncle. I think yeah. they were line mates even. I could be wrong about that. But there's a hockey tradition there. So I'm sure, you know, this was more of a, you know, you just have to take one of our roster spot guys because he was on the taxi squad anyway. And uh, the fifth, I'm okay with. Uh, John Merrill is, I was looking at his kind of underlying numbers, very, very, very strong in his own zone, which I think that's what Mark Bergevin was going for, is someone to play with with Weber, hopefully. you see, April 10th, we had Merrill <laughs> Streep, okay? We would have lost 3 nothing. There you go. Instead of 5. That's exactly it. So um, I clear... Uh, but I'm, look, I'm okay. He's he's making, no, he's a, he's he's making less than a mil... He's a bi- another big body, yeah. and, and it's a very, good replacement. And it's a good replacement for Sherrod yeah. while he's out. And you know, on that left side now, we got some really solid, like uh, you know, stay-at-home defense defense guys. That's it. So with Edmondson and and and, uh, and Merrill, Merrill now, and four. then Sherrod and like yeah, you know, these are guys that are. It almost looks like we're 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 sending our our you know our point getters on the right side and our well, that's our it. Yeah, we're guys on the left. It's just funny actually that we got John Merrill because. Uh, maybe an hour before the trade went through, I was talking to someone about um, how Mark Bergevin originally, what I think his plan was, was to recreate the 2011 Bruins, where he was really like piece for piece, even including Claude Julien, bringing everything together. And then when that fell through a few years later, I think he saw how Vegas did in their inaugural season. And I said, you know, they, they had these, you know, score by committee, four lines, no superstars, bring, and then less than an hour later we bring in a guy who played on that specific team so um and you know mark bergman loves his stay-at-home defenseman he was one um but yeah the other move coming like not even the 11th hour but in the 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 last few seconds of the trade deadline was a very interesting one we had uh eric gustafson out of philadelphia um 50 percent of his salary retained just for a seventh round pick and so for those of you who don't know Gustafson, um, he had one massive breakout season with Chicago. Yeah, where like it looked like this guy. I think was he had sixty points in seventy nine yes, games with crazy. like seventeen goals. Yeah. This is a pure offensive defenseman, yeah. and like I can't stress that enough because like you know his defense is not great. Yeah. But he's a smooth skater. He's about six feet tall. Um, left hand shot plays the right side, kind of like a TJ Brody, but a lot more offensive. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm happy with this. This is a very like low risk, high reward trade. Yeah, with fifty percent retained, you can't really go wrong there, especially for a seventh. Like, you know, That's I, I what do. We're like giving up Gustafson. versus what we're getting. Yeah, I think he's twenty nine, right? Something. Yeah, he's yeah, high twenties. Yeah, so it's like you know he's not you know he's not a uh, old dog, and um, and it's you know, his contract has, ends this year. Yeah, and he definitely has potential. So yeah. like I'm you know it's a good move. I'm excited to see him play and. I think he's brought in to fix the power play, too. He's yeah. a very strong power play quarterback. Um, that just kind of brings me to where, you know, I wanted to talk about, the, before the last thing here, I just want to talk about the defensive pair specifically. So with the injuries right now, I think, and you can tell me where you agree and disagree, but first pair, 
I want Edmondson back with Petrie on the first pair. They yeah, had something, and I get I'm, Weber off there. That's it. And then going with John Merrill and Weber on the second yeah, pair. Totally agree. That's a great like they they feed off each other. And then the third pair of Romanov and Gustafsson with Kulak kind of rotating in when need. Yeah. I think that's going to be a strong, strong defensive core that was like very, you know, a quick fix, if yeah. you if you will. But again, going back to it, it's, it is patchwork. A lot of those contracts are up this year. But, you know, that might be all we need to kind of like it be done with the defense for now. Sherrod uh, will come back. Then Hill will see I, how he I attacks. can't believe how much we miss Sherrod. Like, I know, which Sherrod is weird is a, too because he wasn't having a high year. No, but he's he's just such it's a, a presence. key piece. It's a, he's yeah. such a presence on the ice, and like he's just, you know, he's one of my favorite signings in, in like the last like ten years for the Habs. Like, yeah. honestly, like he's just. It's such just a, a piece we never really had. No, and it's uh, you know you definitely notice it in front of the net now. Still, you know, Edmondson's kind of stepping up. I noticed last game especially a little bit, like yeah. he was really getting in there. But uh, you know, you, you we definitely need Sherrod back. Yeah. And um, uh, lastly, I just want to talk about um, you know we have a little like thing here. It's not exactly a segment we've ever done, but we're just calling it in and out, um, just because there's a lot of moving pieces and there's one piece that I haven't talked really about. But so we'll start with the outs. We know Gallagher's injured for foreseeable future yeah, six weeks. Yeah, basically, yeah, basically something like that. Um, we do, do we have an ETA on Sherrod? Sherrod, I'm not sure. I it should be soon, relatively. I would I think mean, so. Yeah, I'm gonna check that. One. Okay, um, Sherrod out, Gallagher out. Um, Armia skated at practice, so he's officially back, but we don't know when he's gonna jump back into the lineup. And then lastly, Carey Price is also injured, and I he's also someone I don't know the time frame of his injury. It looked like he aggravated his groin a little bit. Um, so yeah, do we do we know anything on that either? Still checking. One okay, second. that's fine. Um, I, anyway, so while you're doing that, um, talk about the ins too. You know, we said before Eric Stahl scoring in his first game. He's been somewhat quiet, but you know, I didn't think he was gonna come in and basically, you know, blow it up in Montreal. But I haven't had a problem with him yet. Uh, like I said, John Merrill, very strong stay-at-home defenseman. Someone Weber could probably mesh with very well. And Eric Gustafson, okay. someone to kind of boost the defensive scoring. And then I want to leave this last person out for the uh, the very end of the podcast. Yeah, so Sherrod skated this morning. Okay. And uh, he's looking for like a return next week. Okay. And do we know anything about Carey Price or no? Carey Price, they still said, um, you know, he still is... He's going to be reevaluated next week. Okay. Then, so we know nothing. Yeah. Um, okay. And now that's the ins and the outs, but there is one more player who is neither in nor out because uh, he recently signed with the Canadians and has so far been great um, Cole Caulfield. So, Cole Caulfield in one day went from being basically our, you know, potential prospect to being the Hobie Baker winner, which is the top NCAA player, and having a three-point night in his professional debut with two goals. The next day, he went on to score another goal. So he has four points in two games with three goals. Um, Just pull him up. That's what I was getting to, is yeah. Just pull him up. Just like, bring him up. We don't have time for this anymore. Because that's exactly what we need is scoring. He also, he's also not, he's not, he's 
like what what's the HL doing for him? Like it's not doing much. I think it's just literally giving him yeah, pro just giving minutes. him some pro minutes. But like he has them now, so exactly. let's move it that's, up because we're it. not in an eighty-two game season. Like we have to, like less than twenty games left, and that games that we need to win. And you know where he slots in very well, right in that Jonathan Druin spot yeah, with Suzuki exactly. and Anderson. Yeah, that, that is a good line. and like for my you know EA Sports lovers, that is a sniper playmaker power forward yeah. line. That is like you're asking for success. Yeah, and also like someone to protect the little guy. Yeah, so. and you know he again we we call him the little guy obviously, but you know he's put on a good amount of weight too this year. Like he's he's five seven one seventy. Yeah, I know, but, he, uh, but, but we've talked guy. about this. But it's like he's still the little guy. I yeah, know what you. Mean. I, I just mean like I'm not worried so much about him like being so small that he gets erased by someone. No, no, but it's still like. He's, well, I was concerned at the beginning of the year when he was like one sixty. When you're a sniper and you're producing a lot and you're 170 pounds, you're just going to get run over. Yeah, and it's exactly. good to have someone on the line there. People bring up you know, guys like Debrinkit or, or Johnny Gaudreau, but Caulfield's not as quick as them. Right. And he can't evade them as, as easily. And um, you know, it is going to be a significant issue. I guarantee it. I can guarantee yeah. it. And you know, it's good that he plays with someone like Anderson. I'd lo- um, I, just, I, I know for a fact we're going to see him before the season ends, obviously. Yeah. But I just hope I we don't do it time. in the last five games. Yeah, I don't want it to be like a, uh, oh, we know what's going to happen by the end of the year now. But we'll just, like, bring him up and, like, win the game. Yeah. Because he can make a significant difference. And, like, you know, right now we're we're having, uh, we're having losing games because we're not scoring. Yeah. And making really bad defensive decisions that are leading to goals. But the bottom line is, is, like, we need more pucks in the net. And that's literally all he does. I mean, he has obviously other good stats. He's actually very good defensively, but yeah, he's you know, really rounded thing, out his game this year. Yeah, the main thing with him though is like you, you, you drafted Caulfield to score, and like, well, yeah, exactly. It's you know that was the big issue they had in Wisconsin with him is that at first he, you know, he's just so talented. They asked him basically one if he would play center, basically, which is I mean, you don't want to start doing that with these guys. Like you don't want them developing new talents yeah, per exactly. se you want them just like refining their skills at this level yeah. um so they had him playing center and playing as more of a distributor and it was a very slow start if you remember this yeah. year he ended up with like 50 something points in 30 something games because they put him back on the wing and he just started scoring he had like 30 goals in 32 games or something just he does what he does very well just let him do his thing you know and with caulfield it's also important that the people understand like this is not um Connor McDavid you know this guy's an elite talent but you can't then tell him it's all on you like he does well when he he's given the opportunity to do well you know yeah. if we start doing this thing we did with Drew and or that what I find we're doing with Kot Kaniemi right now and basically putting it you know putting him where he doesn't fit yeah that's when we're gonna screw him so no don't play yeah. him fourth line because like yeah Kot Kaniemi can play wing Okay, but he like everyone can. That's yeah. the thing. It's like it's not a very complex, uh, you know, position. Up, down, up, down. And score. the problem with Kotkaniemi, which is also a silver lining, is that I noticed when he was on the wing, he was still playing center. Yeah, <laughs> like he, that's you it. know, he was he was still coming back like below. Uh, well, that's it. Below the goal line, like in our zone, and I was like, yeah, you got to get on the boards there a little bit. But you know, it's like you know, it's because he is a center. Hey, well, uh, that's exactly uh, it. And um, yeah, that that basically. Wraps yeah, that so, up. Uh, before we do go, I just wanted to say that, you know, I noticed we passed 50 episodes already. It's a small milestone, so we just want to say thank you to everyone who does listen. It means a lot. We enjoy doing this, and uh, we hope, you know, you enjoy listening. 
Um, we hope there's playoffs for us. To... Yeah, I'm sure playoffs would be great yeah. for blood pressure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was basically two weeks' worth of information. We actually managed to keep it in the yeah. same time frame. I think it's our, our words per second. But uh, Trade Center was done. Games are done. We have a game basically in an hour now to yeah. go watch. So I'm sure... Yeah, we're going to catch you guys in uh, between the whistles in about in a, an, an hour, hour and a half. half. Yeah. Yeah. All right, see you then. Thank you for listening to the Habs Puck Drop Podcast. You can email us your thoughts, questions, and suggestions through our email at habspuckdrop at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at habspuckdrop. We'll see you next time.